first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and today we'll be talking with some special guests from the Half Brothers, What a Disaster, Bon Jovi on a Night Like This, Godmothered, Doug Unplugs, and reviewing The Croods and New Age. First, we'll be listening to Benjamin's interview with director from the film Half Brothers. All right, this is Benjamin Price reporting for Kids First. Today I'm here with Luke Greenfield, director of the new film Half Brothers. Uh, let's get into it. Hey, Benjamin, so, right? where, where, where are you right now? Uh, I am in Washington, D.C. currently. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, thank you. So your last film, Let's Be Cops, stemmed from your own experiences impersonating a police officer. Right. Was there a similarly personal connection you found in Half Brothers that drew you to direct it? That's a great question. It's a super great question. Yeah. You know, I think my issues with my own father and my own, my parents' divorce, my own divorce. And, you know, I, I was tapping into a lot of emotional stuff uh, to, to really get into this journey of this guy who is so angry at his father and having, and needs to forgive his dad. Yeah. So, you know, I think every movie I do, I have to, I have to find an emotional way in because I, I want the truth. I want it to be real, you know? This movie's centered around these two polar opposites, uh, completely different ends of the spectrum, really, stuck on this road trip together. Do you consider yourself more of a Renato or an Asher? Uh, another, another great question, Benjamin. I think I'm definitely both. You know, all my friends feel I'm very weird and maybe a little crazy. So I think that's the Asher side of me. And then, yeah, I can be very uptight and critical like Renato. So I, you know, I, I think, I think I'm a 50, 50 split between the two half brothers. Yeah. I have to agree with you there. I, I don't think I would have, I think I would have gone back for the goat. Um, but I don't think I'm 100% Asher either. Got it. Got it. But, but you go back for the goat. That's important. Yeah. So when you were a teenager, I'm sure you've gotten this question before, but your mom sent some of your short films to the Steven Spielberg, and you got a two-page handwritten response back. Yeah. If you were today to receive a, le- a similar letter to the one your mom sent, what advice would you give to an aspiring filmmaker? You know, I, 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 get, those, I get those emails and letters a lot, and I, because I was 16 and Steven Spielberg was so nice to respond back to my mom, I respond to everyone. And so... You know, a lot of the questions that are asked of me is, you know, how to make it. How do you become, how do you fulfill the dream of becoming a a movie director? And I tell them, don't take no, ever. No is not in your vocabulary anymore. You know, don't let anyone tell you no. You just keep pressing and keep pressing on and never, ever quit. Because if you, if you love movies as much as you and I do, you know, you, it's what you love and you, you just got to, you got to make it happen one way or another. And I heard uh, you still, you had that response you got back memorized. Is that still true? <laughs> I don't know if it's memorized, but I definitely know some of the key lines that he, 
he's gave me the best advice. I mean, he was, Steven Spielberg has been my hero my whole life. And the advice he had given me when I was 16, I don't think I was old enough to truly understand what he was saying, but, but now I do. And yeah, I mean, I, I, there's some key lines I definitely remember for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Congratulations on the movie. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with some special guests from What a Disaster, Bon Jovi on a Night Like This, Godmothered, Doug Unplugs, and reviewing The Croods and New Age. We just finished Benjamin's interview with from the Half Brothers, and next we're switching over to chat with Carly to see what she thought about the film. Hi Carly, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. So let's get started. So what is this movie about? Um, Half Brothers is, begins with a young boy named Renato who has a great relationship with his dad, but his dad leaves to go to America in search of work and he never returns. Years later, Renato gets a phone call saying that he needs to come quick and that his dad is sick and needs to come to America. And so he goes to America and he gets a huge surprise there. He actually has a half brother named Asher. And his dad sends them to, on a wild scavenger hunt across America in search of answers that they have both been wondering, which is, you know, why his dad never came back for him. So it's basically how they meet each other and how the dad set up things to learn from each other? Yeah. So while they're on the road trip, they really learn a lot about, not just about themselves, but about each other, and they really have opposite personalities. Asher is more like not that serious. He's more positive and lighthearted, while Renato, he is getting married, and he didn't really want to go on this road trip in the first place. He his, um, He's getting married in a couple days, and he needs to be there, but he decided to come, and yeah, it's just about them traveling together and search of the answers. So you were kind of going over my next question, but not really. Uh, my next question would be, do you think you relate to any of those characters? Or like, since we were talking about them, do you relate to one or the other? Um, I, I think I relate to Asher at some part. Um, I really do like to look on the positive side of things. Um, and I don't like really try to care about what a lot of people like think. I'm just kind of like free spirited. And, but sometimes I am like Renato and I'm more like determined and serious. So I think I relate to both of them kind of in a way. Yeah. Like sometimes in movies I would relate to characters. It's because like everyone's different. Everyone has their own personalities. Like yeah. I'm a mix of a lot of things. It kind of just depends on your mood. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say is your favorite part of this film? Um, my favorite scene was when Asher was stealing the goat and Renato had no idea what was going on. And he just sees Asher running out of the barn and people chasing after him. And he just has a goat in his hands and he's like, start the car. And <laughs> Renato's expressions were just so funny and the goat made a unexpectedly lovable pet throughout the film. So I think everyone's wondering what, what was the goat for? <laughs> Why was there a goat? It was just a pet in a barn. 
<laughs> he just stole a goat. Yeah, Asher just I, wanted to keep it, I guess. That is so funny. I would love to see this. So <laughs> what would you think the moral of the story is? Um, the message is about forgiveness and acceptance. They really, those are the big two main messages in the film. Um, you know, forgiveness helps people work through their own problems and accepting others for who they are is important because everybody needs to be treated the same regardless of their differences. Yeah, I think that's a really strong message. Do you, did you take any other messages from this film or just one? Uh, forgiveness and acceptance. Okay, um, so I have two final questions for you. What star rating and age rating would you give this film? Uh, I definitely gave this film five out of five stars. It was really good. It had me laughing, um, and the parts were very memorable. And I would give this age rating uh, probably 13 to, like, 18, and definitely adults, too. Adults would really love this film. Okay, well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you for having me. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person, from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Timestorm. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. On the Right Road with host Paula Phillips has arrived at Voice America. With remarkable heart and realness, this popular program brings inspiration, ideas, opportunities, and help to teachers and parents around the globe who work daily to guide kids on the right road in school and in life. Join the Right Road family of kindness, uplifting, and support. Tune in to On the Right Road, live every first and third Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the film Half Brothers, and next up we'll be listening to Ishan's interview with director Andy Trimlett from What a Disaster. Hi, I'm Ishan Mani, reporting for Kids First. 
And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Andy Trimlett, director of PBS SoCal's new disaster preparedness production, What a Disaster. Andy is an Emmy Award-winning public television producer. He's worked on productions in Los Angeles, Honolulu, Budapest, Vienna, the Grand Canyon, Alaska, Amman, and Jerusalem, among other places. Additionally, he is PBS SoCal's and KCET's director of digital fundraising and on-air fundraising. Thanks so much for taking the time out to speak with me, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So let's get started with what motivated you to direct What a Disaster. My boss, actually, um, uh, Maura Daly Finney, um, came up with an idea to do an emergency preparedness show. Um, she was in the Loma Prieta earthquake back in 1989, which, quite frankly, I hadn't even heard of. Uh, but it was a big deal, and um, she got so freaked out by that that she's kind of become a disaster preparedness nut ever since. So um, she uh, she decided, like, let's let's try to make a show and see how it goes. <laughs> how have you been personally affected by the forest fires in SoCal? Yeah, um, I mean, every time one of those happens, it's you know, thankfully, um, knock on wood, our uh, um, our home hasn't been hit by anything, but you know, we're, it's you know we see the um, the smoke everywhere, and I have a number of friends who have lost their homes over the years, so um, it's, it's definitely very real in my life. And um, you've worked on so many different productions. So, what's different about the production process of a game show like What a Disaster? <laughs> yeah, this is actually the first game show that I've ever uh, even attempted to work on. Uh, it was definitely different uh, than producing, say, a documentary or you know, music show, something like that. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, that you know, the biggest um, you know, the biggest challenges were really a result of um, of COVID, because you know, like we couldn't just bring everyone into the studio. Um, but that really, you know, actually led to some kind of creative ideas where we could put people in their homes and it's actually more fun that way because when people are in their homes, you know, you're, you're, you can actually see whether real time they are prepared for a disaster or not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting. We had, uh, we had 27 cameras on this shoot. Um, so there were the three cameras in the studio and then um, each of the families, uh, we had eight cameras in each house, um, mostly just little GoPro cameras um, and then one big camera. But um, it was definitely a, definitely a big project to edit the whole thing. <laughs> and I guess I don't even have to ask you, did COVID-19 affect your work on this film? Because it's obvious it did. So tell me more about that. Yeah, um, it was, you know, it was definitely interesting. We, um, we wanted to make the crews as small as possible um, so that we're, you know, we were not having large gatherings of people. Um, none of our, we, we had no camera um, operators uh, at all during the production. So at the houses, um, the families would walk out of the house um, and they walked out of the house in the morning and then we had two people go in and set up everything um, and then they pressed record on all the cameras and then walked out of the house for the entire production so that there was no one monitoring those cameras during the entire production, which uh, I'm not going to lie, was a little nerve wracking. Uh, <laughs> um, but and then we did um, the whole thing we did over Zoom. So, um, you know, we had Jay Jackson and the judges in the studio and we were on a Zoom call with all the families. So they would, um, you know, they stare at their camera and they had the Zoom call on the camera. and. Um, they also had uh, um, 
I came up with this plan to have so we could have move around with the families occasionally. Um, they had a tablet, and then in order to record what was on the tablet, um, <laughs> came up with a very sophisticated idea of uh, taping a GoPro to the back of the tablet. So, <laughs> um, so. Um, but yeah, and then in this, in, even in the studio, we had no camera operators. We only had we only had two people. Everybody was, you know, all the crew were masked, of course. Um, but it was, you know, it was a big challenge. Uh, but thankfully, um, it's been it's been a few weeks now, and um, everybody's healthy. So yeah, and it came together beautifully as well. Yeah. So how did you recruit the three families in this film? So what was that casting process like? <laughs> yeah, um, it was definitely. Um, you know, we we don't we've never done that. I don't think this is, we've we've ever had a game show in the history of PBS SoCal and KCET. I could be lying to you, but I'm pretty sure we haven't. So we didn't have like a whole system set up for that. So it was really kind of a lot of by hook and by crook. You know, we sent out emails, um, kind of asked around. You know, you get one person to the next person, and eventually found these three amazing families. Um, one thing that was really a challenge was because this is a disaster preparedness show if we had told the families this is a disaster preparedness show then they could have you know packed like a giant bag full of stuff and you know, like you know if i heard that i want to be on a disaster preparedness game show i'd go out to costco and i'd be you know like i'd have a huge amount of stuff all ready to go and that wouldn't be nearly as fun um so we had to keep it a secret so we just said it was a game show and they really didn't find out until like right then on camera um when we were recording the show what what the show was going to be about which was fun <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> what do you hope that families take away from this film? I really hope that this motivates families to, you know, look at their own disaster preparedness situation, figure out like, you know, maybe they haven't made they don't have anything ready to go. Like, okay, well let's, you know, let's get the kids together, let's put together a go back. Like, hey, what do you need? You know, let's let's do it in five minutes. Five minutes, you got five minutes to figure out what um, what items you can put in this bag and that's what you get to take with you, you know, if we have to leave the house forever. So go, and then you make a game of it, and um, and have fun with it, and and just do it. Most importantly, like even if if you don't want, if you want to have no one fun, if you're like I don't believe in fun, okay, we'll just get prepared. <laughs> but <laughs> so the more families that are motivated to get prepared um, by this show, the better. Uh, that's that's sort of the main main goal of the show. Totally, yeah. I think it's definitely a, a great model to have fun and also stay safe. And then the the other um, you know the other part of the show is it is a fundraising special. So um, uh, every you know there's going to be a couple of um, fundraising breaks where we talk about the show and um, how important it is to make a contribution to PBS SoCal and KCET. And when you when you make a donation, you can either um, you can get we're offering as thank you gifts um, disaster kits, so you can look, get started on your own kit. And um, if you make a donation at our, our high level, you'll even be able to not only get your own kit, but you'll, um, we can donate a kit to a family in need. So you'll kind of be doing your bit to um, get other families prepared around California, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Andy. As a Texas kid, actually, I really, really enjoyed watching this, and I found this to be really educational. So amazing, amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with some special guests from Hat Brothers, Bon Jovi on a Night Like This, Godmothered, Doug Unplugs, and reviewing the crew's A New Age. 
We just finished Eshawn's interview with What a Disaster director Andy Trimlett, and next we'll be talking with Eshawn to see what he thought about the film. Hey, Eshawn, how you doing? Hey, Ethan, what's up? I'm good. So, um, What a Disaster, this sounds like a fabulous movie just by the title. I'm ready <laughs> to get in, so I just want to hear what it's about. So, yeah, I mean, Ethan, you're in Florida, I'm in Texas, we're both in coastal states, and so we know exactly what natural disasters look like, and yeah. this is basically just a, <laughs> it's a game show style program, which is basically centered around disaster preparedness. Um, it aired in Southern California, which was uh, a major site of forest fires, even this year and the years past, and various other, um, you know, natural disasters like earthquakes. So yeah, basically it's a game show style program hosted by Jay Jackson from Parks and Rec. Um, and it's uh, three Southern Californian families, the Gang family, the Smith family, the Luna family. And they're competing to be crowned the most prepared for any natural disaster that might come their way. And also for $1,000, which is a lot. <laughs> if every time a hurricane came to Florida, I would be rich. <laughs> I know, right? Important. Yeah, if we had, it, it, yeah, in, in Texas, in Houston, hurricane season... Each year, we'd have, you know, one season of what a disaster. <laughs> yeah, right now we're actually having a cold front. It's like 49 degrees outside. Absolutely, <laughs> same here, yeah. It's like 30 out here, yeah. <laughs> so I heard you interviewed, um, I think, Andy Trimlin for What a Disaster. So could you tell me a little about how that went? Yeah, absolutely. So Andy was super fun to speak with. He's the producer of um, this film. And I was really interested to, to hear why he uh, chose to take this on, especially coming at it from the angle of a game show, which I think is super duper interesting, super unique. You know, I when I first heard about the concept of the film, I was like, how do you make disaster preparedness interesting? How do you make yeah. someone want to watch a film about disaster preparedness? I think yeah. he succeeded. And, um, you know, one of the things he said was... Um, Hey, the, the director of the film, his boss, uh, <laughs> the director of the film was really uh, interested in getting the word out about all of these different natural disasters and how to be best prepared, especially after, you know, the events of the past year. And she was caught up in a natural disaster uh, a, a year or I think in the 1980s or 1990s. So uh, she has been pretty focused on those issues ever since. But yeah, it was yeah, really, really, really cool. It's really interesting to hear, like, because when I heard What a Disaster, I thought it was going to be, like, a movie about, like, a tornado or something, but this sounds more, <laughs> a lot more interesting. Absolutely, so, yeah, it'll keep you engaged. So, is this, like, more like a movie, or are the people there, like, actually competing, or is it, like, a movie? It's it's a game show, so, oh, um, okay. you know, it's a game show film is what I call it. It's, uh, yeah, they're they're actually competing for $1,000. The, the fun part of it is, at the beginning of the film, they had no clue, the beginning of the show, they had no clue that they were competing uh, in What a Disaster. They were just called up by the PBS production crew, three families. They said, hey, you you want to be in a game show? Sure, come on in. You know? And uh, then it was, the, the news broke, and they were like, oh, awesome, cool, let's get into this, and I love that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So uh, what do you think was the moral of this film, if there is one? Absolutely. So yeah, the, the film promotes disaster preparedness, of course. Staying safe in any situation, um, in my video review, I say um, sticking together with um, everyone, including friends and your favorite neighbors, which uh, should be all your neighbors. Um, <laughs> yeah, sticking together with family and friends and just, uh, you know, getting through things together and um, working as a team, especially. I think that's really yeah. important in 2020, given, you know, the wildfires that SoCal has suffered, given 
everything that we've faced, I think in a time when we're being, you know, we're, we're, we're being so divided. I think it's it's great that um, you know this is a, a a sort of unifying message, which is always always welcome. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting because usually when there's a hurricane, I would just stock up on food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Food and flashlights and batteries. Right. So, final questions. Uh, what is your star rating and age rating for this film? So I'd give What a Disaster four and a half stars out of five. I feel like that's become my default rating. But no, honestly, <laughs> it is a really, really great film. I feel like it just it just fell a slight bit short. Um, I mean, this was PBS's first game show, so it's kind of I mean, it's a it's a big deal, you know. It's it's a yeah. milestone for them. But the some of the production quality was a little bit off. It's also COVID. Like some of the contestants' voices seem to kind of echo at some points, and yeah. um, the, the teleprompters were a little bit off center. But I think uh, otherwise, everything was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. I, it kept my attention for the entire duration. Um, and age rating, I'd recommend it for ages 7 to 18. I'm sure adults will enjoy it as well. I uh, recommended it as a, as a great Thanksgiving watch. It's a great watch anytime, <laughs> honestly, um, yeah. given hurricane season and everything. <laughs> well, I will definitely watch this. So thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Absolutely. It was fun. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Timestorm. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. For teens, by teens, and about teens. Tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the films Half Brothers and What a Disaster, and next up we'll be reviewing The Crudes and A New Age with Bailey Ray. Hey, Bailey Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. 
So can you talk a little bit about this film? I know that it's about some cavemen that you were telling me before. So can we get more into that? They're on this adventure. They meet this dude named Guy in the middle of it. He tells them about this place called Tomorrow. They're, they Because their house got messed up. They have to, they're finding that place so they can find a new home. So they're looking for that place. And then, so at, as they're looking for it, their world is just crumbling and getting torn apart. Oh, so okay. They're, they're on an adventure to find tomorrow so then they can find a new home. And there is just a lot going on because they haven't heard of a tree house and a normal actual house because they only live in caves and live in, like, mountains. And So were they on a journey to discover things, or how did that go? Well... They're, they're on a journey to find this place uh, this guy told them. His name is actually Guy. And <laughs> they, he told them there is this place called um, Tomorrow. So they're headed to Tomorrow so then they can get away from the end. So the end is like we're, they're trying to run away from that because the world was getting destroyed at the time. So they're just they're just walking they were on this little adventure and then they find this place and it's nothing like their house it's like they have they have some fancy dresses clothes on their own rooms but they like to all sleep together in a pile and and they have like little pet houses and stuff whoa this is like very so it's like <laughs> it's so much to take in there's a guy named guy the end, and then they're walking to t- tomorrow. <laughs> this is very confusing. Uh, <laughs> A lot happened. You just got to see the first movie to understand. <laughs> so how does the film compare as a sequel to the first film? Well, it continues on their adventure because at the first one, their home gets destroyed. So they have to go on this adventure and find tomorrow. And they didn't they, they, okay, so, <laughs> once they, okay, so they sort of found tomorrow, but at the same time didn't, because Guy told them that tomorrow was this place where everyone was welcoming, and everyone, like, yeah, fit in, but, um, it wasn't really like that. See, the people who were there didn't really like that. Oh, okay. So, oh, the movie that. was mean about differences. Okay, I'm starting to kind of understand this now, because the whole guy, tomorrow, the end was so confusing. <laughs> so, how was the quality, or was this a cartoon? Because it's kind of sounding like a, like a cartoonish kind of... Well, it, was, it wasn't a cartoon. It wasn't a cartoon. It was, it was a 3D animation, and... Oh, okay. Uh, it was... Okay, the character designs were a little bit different, and I like that, because the way... Um, they made the the father the father of the cave um cave hmm, cave people <laughs> the father of the cave people um they changed his design and like his face shape and i really like that <laughs> <laughs> so um there's so much like different emotions there's funny but yeah. confusing so what emotion or moral would you take from this film <sighs> Well, a lot happens in the movie, so <laughs> I feel like 
the moral of the story is that celebrating people's differences is good and it, hanging out with people who are different and just celebrating people's differences. Yeah. <laughs> so celebrating so, people's differences is probably like what they're going for. Okay. Um, so this was a weird movie, but I kind of like it. It sounded a lot funny. Um, I will try. I'll, I'll watch it because I kind of want to know a lot about it. So, what would you, what would your star rating and age recommendation be for this film? Well, if we're going one to ten, I would definitely give it a ten because I love the crews already. So, and I love the plot twists and the storyline. So, yeah, definitely a ten in the age rating. Oh, okay. So probably four and up because. I I don't know. I just feel like four and up would fit with the story. All right. Do you prefer this film or the first film? Like, which one do you like better? Oh, that's hard. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) Okay, well, since I like the plot twist a little more in this, in the the second one, I feel like I'm going to have to go with the new age. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. You're welcome. (laughs) You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with some special guests from Hat Brothers, What a Disaster, Godmothered, and Doug Unplugged. We just finished reviewing The Crudes in a New Age, and next we'll be listening to Natalia's interview with the director and cinematographer from Bon Jovi on a night like this. Hello, I'm Natalia Jackson, reporting from Kids First. Today, I have the honor to catch up with director, producer, Alex Horwitz, and director of photography, Jonathan Formansky, who helped form the raw and stripped back Bon Jovi 15th studio album titled Bon Jovi on a Night Like This. This is the first major visual album of the year, a concert recorded during COVID-19. Bon Jovi is an American rock band formed in 1983 in Surreal, New Jersey. Welcome to you both. Let's begin. First and foremost, Jonathan, can you share with us in depth about your duties as a director of photographer? Um, Sure. I mean, I think the simple answer to that question is I'm basically responsible for what everything looks like on camera. On a documentary like the one that Alex and I worked on, it was just Alex and I and the sound person in the room with the band Mm -hmm. and their crew. So at that point, we're working a lot more improvisationally and we're kind of discovering ways to tell the story visually in real time. So that means me, I'm walking around with a camera and I'm choosing what kind of frames we want to use and what we want it to look like. But I'm also thinking about the story and what's going to happen next and where are we going to go and all of those things. So it's a, it's, it's a lot of responsibilities, but essentially I'm in charge of what it looks like. You know, I have to admit, I used to get confused a lot about the difference between a director of photography and a cinematographer. And I know sometimes in practical word usage, the cinematographer is more modern sounding and cinematographer may also refer to an individual with just one camera, while a director of photography may have multi-cameras. And I learned that by interviewing some other director of photography and producers and directors that spoke to me about that, which is really, really cool. Along with that, Alex... As a director and producer, your job is to prioritize and make sure the film is the best you can produce. To what extent did working on this film fit with your expectations or did it subvert them in any way? 
Hmm. Well, it's interesting to do a concert during a pandemic. That's the first and foremost thing. And that's, uh, that informed how we designed it with the band and how we planned for it and the finished product that you see. Um, in that sense, I didn't really have any expectations because we haven't really watched things like that. We're not used to looking at things as audience members the way we are in these past, oh, nine months or so. Um, everybody's experiencing things in a new way. Um, so a concert without an audience isn't unprecedented. Um, and we're used to seeing things like, you know, people doing little videos of their them performing in a recording studio. Taylor Swift just did a, did a concert like that. Um, but John Bon Jovi wanted it to be a bigger show because it's a bigger band. They're a, they're a big, loud rock and roll sound. So I was excited for that. I knew, I knew what to expect on, on that front. Um, but we didn't really know how it was going to play without an audience there. So I knew that Jonathan and I would have to uh, come up with a few tricks to, to give you new things, different things to look at, and shoot it in a slightly different way so that our eyes would take it in as a big show without any of the awkwardness of there not being an audience in the room. Because Bon Jovi is very used to playing in front of very big crowds at arenas and stadiums. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of new, new uh, territory for us and for the band. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure as a director and producer, as well as the director of photography, it was definitely a learning experience because like you said, you had to film it in a different perspective because it was different overall and there was no audience. And John Bon Jovi is so used to having those big crowds, so I'm sure it was pretty hard. To continue, Jonathan, the first major visual album of the year truly elevated the band's album beyond that of a usual film concert. I'm beyond a doubt it was a challenge to create that in-the-moment feel. Tell me how you were able to capture that essence and how you had to turn on your alternative thinking when it fit the circumstance. Well, it, as, as Alex was saying, it was, we were kind of like learning as we went a little bit. It was hard to know what to expect because mm -hmm. I had never shot in a COVID environment like this either. And I didn't know, I'd done a lot of stuff with music and things like that, but you know, now it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a whole new, experience mm -hmm. so when we were doing the documentary portions of it we really just kind of like set parameters in terms of like um where we can be and how close we want to get to people and after that we kind of went into our instinctual modes you know alex and i have worked on a ton of documentary projects in the past and so we're comfortable with that environment but then for the concert mm -hmm. it was a whole nother thing and i think what ended up happening ultimately is alex had the insight that you know, typically when you do things like this, even if there's not an audience there, you film it as if there is an audience there so that the, uh, so that the people watching at home can have that kind of, it, it feels like you're actually at the arena with the band, you know, yeah. the same kind of visual presentation. But Alex had the insight that we're not in that world anymore. And given how everybody has to think about how far away they are from each other, that instead of having the whole band face in one direction, what if they faced each other and kind of did this thing in the round, as it were, and that ended up transporting this whole thing into a whole new experience, I think, and made it into a unique um, uh, presentation of this concert that I don't think we would have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. How were you able to build on your skill while working on this project? Oh, I just hired Jonathan Fromansky and he makes me look good. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, your early, your first question, Jonathan, what's the job of a director of photography? It's really to make me look good. 
and that's just because I, I picked him and he makes everything look good. Uh, I'm glad Jonathan mentioned my having been an editor. I think that that did probably help. I think uh, I'm, I'm always thinking about the edit while I'm on set going, do I need this? Do I not need this? I don't want to be here. I want to be there. Um, whether that's where I put a camera or knowing that I just, I don't need to roll right now. I just, I need to move on to, I need us to get to the next thing that's happening that day. Um, I know that being an editor also helped during the concert because during the concert, you know, I'm going to let Bon Jovi go. They got a, they've got a show to do. And every now and then, because there was no audience, they could stop and do something again if they wanted to, but I didn't want to ever have to ask them to stop for us. So I was looking at a big wall of monitors, not very dissimilar from this zoom screen that people are seeing, except it was a lot more rectangles. And, um, you know, we had six cameras going at the same time and a bunch of different monitors were showing me different things. Um, but those main six in the middle, I was looking at, and I had to look at all six at the same time and know probably where I was, what I was going to be using in the edit, which camera angle and know when I was going to cut. And if one angle wasn't where I wanted it to be, I had to talk to those camera operators on a, you know, on a headset mm -hmm. and being an editor helps with a moment like that because I'm, I'm, I'm much, I'm very used to as an editor, used to looking at a bunch of screens like this and going, uh, not that angle, that angle, not that angle, that angle. So, um, mm -hmm. but it was really, but it was really exciting to hone that in the moment on a shoot because I had, this was my first big multicam rock concert that I directed, although I had edited a lot of them. Um, so it was nice to use those skills in the moment. Well, thank you both Jonathan and Alex for speaking with me. And in addition, thank you Bon Jovi for such a gratifying concert due to making up for its canceled 2020 concert tour with On A Night Like This. A performance filmed under COVID-19 protocols in Nashville couldn't have been better. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Timestorm. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Join the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday afternoon for the Empowered Kids series. It's two hours of programming geared toward our younger listeners and our young at heart listeners. We kick things off with Express Yourself Teen Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Then keep up with your favorite movies on Kids First Coming Attractions at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. The Empowered Kids series every Sunday on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Perston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the films Hot Brothers, What a Disaster, The Crudes, A New Age, and Bon Jovi on a night like this. And next up, we'll be listening to Linda Lee's interview with some cast members from Disney Plus's new film, Godmothered. Hey guys, it's me, Linda Lee, reporting for Kids First. And today we're chatting with two of the young stars from the new Disney Plus movie, Godmothered. Jillian Spader and Willis Skye played the daughters of actress Isla Fisher's character, Mackenzie, in the film. If you guys ever watched Walk the Prank on Disney Channel, then you're definitely going to recognize our first guest. We're chatting with actress and singer Jillian Spader, who plays Jane. Uh, if you could borrow Eleanor's fairy godmother wand for a day, what sort of magic or mischief would you use it for? You know, I'd probably start the day with poofing myself a bowl of ice cream, because <laughs> I feel like that's yummy. And then I'd probably poof myself all around the world and explore and get more ice cream from everywhere else. And then maybe pull some pranks. <laughs> yes. You were on Walk the Prank, right? So, yeah. It's it's ingrained in my heart. I have to. <laughs> so, in Godmothered, you had a fear of performing in show choir, but in real life, as a singer, do you ever get nervous before getting on stage to sing in front of people? Sometimes. When I haven't performed in a while, I get a little nervous sometimes. Yeah. When we were filming, I was a little bit nervous because there were so many people in the audience. Yeah. And they were actually there the whole time, even though the cameras were just on me. I was like, wow, you're all staring at me. Um, yeah, I was a little bit nervous, but I normally am not too nervous. So. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I'm in show choir, too, and it's scary a lot. Yeah. Um, so this movie had me laughing a lot. Was the movie as fun to make as it was to watch? Yeah, totally. Um, it was a lot of comedy in different places than you would have expected it to be. Like, there was so much laughter because everyone in that cast was just so funny. So we all, yeah, there were a lot of giggles. <laughs> so you performed two songs on the soundtrack. One we see you sing in the movie, and what's the other one? And do you think you can give us a sneak pre preview of what it sounds like? The one song on in the movie is Rise Up, and the second one is called Hero, and you only hear five or six seconds of it in the movie, but it will be on the soundtrack. And I have my guitar here if you want me to play some. I can play you a couple of seconds. It goes... I've been there before been feeling so dumb the world's come down on you. There you go. It starts like that. Um, it's cool. It was fun to record. We recorded it at home during quarantine. And yeah, it'll be out. That's cool. Your voice is very pretty. Thank you. Um, and finally, what is the message that kids, families, and potential fairy godmothers should take away from this movie? I think that everybody should take away from this movie that you can have a happily ever after no matter what and it is such a wonderful thing to look forward to and everyone has a happily ever after and everybody will get that and fairy godmothers in training watching should proof me some ice cream to my house right now. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you. It was so nice meeting you. Have a nice day. See ya. 
Joining us now is actress Willa Skye, who plays the youngest sister, Mia, in Godmothered. Happy holidays, I'm Willa Skye, and I'm hanging out with Linda Lee. She is very kind, and I'm so glad to have met her. <laughs> Thank you, you're so sweet. Thank you. First off, what was it like being a kid on the set of a magical Disney movie like Godmothered? It was very amazing and very magical and very, very, very fun. <laughs> yeah. And if you could borrow Eleanor's fairy godmother wand for a day, what sort of magical mischief would you use it for? Well, first, I would definitely end coronavirus. Yeah. And oh my God. I would stop animal abuse and make everyone not allergic to cats so I can get a million cats. So in the movie, Jillian Spider plays your older sister, and we know Jillian from Walk the Prank, so did she encourage any fun prank pranks or jokes with the cast during Godmother? Well, there were no pranks, but we did joke around with each other like, hey, what would happen if I pulled that wire? Maybe I should. <laughs> what was the most fun scene to shoot in this and the most challenging? The most fun one was definitely the flying watermelon carriage. It was really, really fun. Yeah, that looked really fun. Yeah, it was. And my most difficult scene was probably the scene where I had to make myself cry when um, Eleanor was leaving. Oh yeah, oh, that was sad. Yeah. Eleanor the fairy godmother creates a magical carriage out of watermelon. If you could create a magical carriage out of your favorite food, what would it be? Definitely popcorn. It is spelled like butter in there too, so. Oh my gosh, that's so smart. Thank you. Uh, that would be a nice smell, just like. Yeah. It all smells like popcorn. And finally, what is the message that kids, families, and potential fairy godmothers should take away from this movie? Go with your gut, and when things seem bad, just get up, dust yourself off, and keep going. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I had such a good time talking to you. Me too. Have a good day. You too. Good luck with the movie. Movie. Happy holidays. You too. Thank you. Well, that'll do it for us. Thank you so much to Julian and Willa for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the hilarious, heartwarming, and magical holiday film now playing on Disney Plus, Godmothered. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we've been talking with some special guests from Half Brothers, What a Disaster, Bon Jovi, on a night like this, and reviewing The Croods, A New Age. We just finished talking with the cast of Disney Plus's Godmothered, and next we'll be listening to Cadence's interview with the executive producers of Doug Unplugs. I'm Kane Skipper reporting from Kids First. Today I'll be interviewing executive producers of the series Doug Unplugs. Aliki Theophilopoulos and Jim Nolan Aliki has worked on many animated projects, including Descendants, Wicked World, while Jim has written and edited several shows from Nickelodeon, Netflix, Disney XD, and HBO Max. Let's get to it. Hello, Cadence. Hi. I'm Cadence from Kids First, um, and this is for Aliki, but Jim, you can answer too. Oh. What was your favorite part about selecting and working with the talent of Doug Unplugs? Mm, well, that was a really fun process. Um, we knew that we wanted to make sure and work with kid actors for our kid characters. Um, so we went through the audition process. And um, I have to say, 
both Emma and Doug's actors, Kyrie and Brandon, when they walked in, almost could feel their energy as being right for the character of the moment that they walked in the door. The little girl who played Emma dressed as Emma for the audition. She dressed as Emma and she actually like struck a pose in the development artwork that we had sent her. So like she walked through the door and we're like, oh my gosh, she is Emma. And then once she started, you know, saying her lines and um, acting out uh, the character, we were like, she just is Emma. Um, and then it was really similar with um, Brandon. We really got to hear this kind of earnestness in his voice and the sweetness in his voice that was perfect for Doug. So therein we found our characters. Now, this is for um, Jim, but Aliki, um, feel free to comment too. What was the most challenging part about producing Doug Unplugs? That's a very, that's a very big question. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I... Obviously, you know, going from uh, being in a studio together to, to working remotely uh, during the pandemic was a, was a challenge. Um, for me, personally, because I just missed everybody terribly. Uh, but, you know, we had to kind of learn how to do things uh, without being in the room with each other. Um, I would say that Aliki and I would both feel, uh, we just feel very lucky to have the team that we did who just figured out how to do that very quickly. And... Uh, Aliki and I aren't the most techie people and saved us techie wise again and again and again. So I think that was like our biggest, just our, our biggest hurdle, uh, in this production. Um, but you know, I, I think, uh, again, going back to our team, no matter what, whenever we hit a challenge in the show, we just had the best group of people behind us. And so there's nothing that, that ever felt onerous or that we couldn't overcome. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I don't think I have a specific challenge. It's just really uh, just kind of agreeing with what Jim said. Like, I think that, you know, every production is going to have its challenges. There's sometimes technical challenges. Sometimes they're just personal challenges. Like, like, things happen as things happen in life. Um, nobody could have expected the bit, one of our biggest challenges, the pandemic, uh, to hit. But across the board, our team was spectacular it wasn't only the talent that we had on our show but just the spirit the work ethic the commitment to everybody coming together um, to make sure this was the best show we could possibly make across the board that just took the show into into where we what we have today so you both said you aren't very techy but your main character of the episode is a robot why uh, did you choose a robot? Well, I, when Jim is talking about not being very techy, it's not exactly in the sense of how Doug uses tech with plugging in and learning information and downloading and, and ask, answering questions. It's more in the sense of we are very bad at looking for files on our database and going through our proprietary drives at work and we often need our wonderful production right. staff to help us find files and images that we need to make. And occasionally use our programs. We don't know how to get into them sometimes. It's, <laughs> we're very lucky. Um, but, but Doug, you know, Doug obviously was a robot through the books. Um, so that's, that's why you know, he's a robot. But I think, and I think the reason he is is because, you know, what could be more, um, emblematic or just just sort of like a, a figure to represent technology than a robot obviously because they're they're a machine yeah thank you thanks thank you ali key and jim for taking the time to answer my questions about doug unplugs thanks so much for joining us 
You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press4Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Timestorm. I'm your host, Ethan Purston, from the Sunshine State of Florida, reporting for Kids First, signing off. Goodbye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.